Welcome to the Colorful Clipboard, where we discuss the building blocks of making dough in childcare. I'm Kate. And I'm Carrie. Do you enjoy listening to Colorful Clipboard? Do you want to support us? You can do it simply by buying us a cup of coffee. Do you want exclusive resources, mini episodes? Sign up for our monthly or yearly membership on our Buy Me a Coffee page www.buymeacoffee.com backslash colorful. You can find the link in our episode description or even up in our bio. Have a wonderful day. Welcome back to Colorful Clipboard and Carrie and I are excited to to talk to you a little bit about today um, about a topic that hopefully isn't terribly scary. Um, We are at that time of the year where People have goblins and ghosts and spiders and spider webs all out. And so we are going to encourage you to shake off the, 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 the webs and the cobwebs off your business plan and your marketing plan. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about diversifying your income stream. And Carrie, when someone says that to you, what do you think they're talking about? I mean, more ways to get money into my bank account. Um, <laughs> not putting all your eggs in one basket. Oh, so make it a farm. We're going to make a farm. Yes, we're going to make a farm. Uh, It's a cash farm (laughs) because so many programs are just like, okay, I've got two ways to make money. I've got parents who pay their own tuition and I've got federal assistance and that's how I make money. Yay. (laughs) But right now, I mean, so right now I'm sure we've got programs that are going, I'm not making any money. So if they're not making any money right now, Um, You know, we just, I mean, they missed one opportunity just a week ago. I mean, um, regardless of what you call that holiday in the middle of October, um, that, you know, historically had been Columbus Day. Um, And and so depending on what part of the country you are in, you might call that everything from a fall break uh, to uh, Indigenous Indigenous People's People's Day. Day. Kate is... Kate is from Columbus, Ohio, and I imagine in Columbus, Ohio, they still just call it Columbus Day. Well, you know, what's really interesting is, you know, what it's really become in Columbus is actually um, the fall break. Um, So it really doesn't have because it's the Friday through the Monday. So it's the fall break. And but what's really the problem with fall break is that because the specifically the Friday is not a day where the parents have off. Um, It's now become a, oh, crap, what do I do with my kid for these two days? So, you know, I think about diversifying your income, about looking at what I call low-hanging fruit. So, you know, even if you don't have a school-age program, which if you don't, contemplate really hard and think about why you don't. But if you don't have a school-age program, I totally understand that sometimes you just may not have the space or the mental capacity but at least go look at the the six or seven days of the year where the teachers have the day off, maybe, um, or they're doing their professional development and the kids have the... The kids have the day off, whether or not the teachers do or not, because it could be a conference day or whatever. But more importantly, the days that the parents probably don't have the day off. So, you know, yeah, they have, you know, they have the winter holidays off, right? They've got Christmas and New Year and probably even some time in between. Um, But not a lot of people necessarily have those fall break days and, and some of these other days that happen during the school year that are not federal holidays. So, Carrie, how would you encourage somebody to start to look at those days? What might be some things they need to think about? 
uh, from staffing, space, curriculum, licensing, and in the state of Texas. Yeah, I mean, the first thing you have to do is you have to notify your licensing and insurance that you're going to take school-age children some days of the year, okay? That's pretty easy. Those are two phone calls or two emails. I prefer emails because then you have a record that you notified them, <laughs> right? So that's the first step. But what I'm thinking, and and uh, maybe we're thinking differently, but, but what I'm thinking here is just the older siblings of the kids you've got at the center. And you just say, hey, if your child has an older sibling who needs a place to be, Next Friday, we're going to have um, this special activity for the fall break um, and your elementary school age child can come. And it's only $45 for the day. And here's the sign up information. So like back in the old days, which was really just, you know, eight months ago, um, we used to be able to do things like this and we really didn't even have to worry about space because we could actually take a field trip. And so it made having these drop-in days for the older uh, siblings really easy. You basically, they hung out wherever you're in your kitchen or your eating space or even on the playground for when they came in. And then you would, you know, load up transportation and off you would go on a field trip and you'd come back. And, and it was a it was a very fun, relaxing uh, and, and well, but you can still do that. I just got an email um, reminding me from my movie theater that during the day I can rent out a theater for a hundred dollars or hundred and fifty dollars. I can't remember exactly what it was for a daytime showing of a movie. So I, if I got if I got ten kids and I can take them to the movie theater for a hundred bucks, then I just spent ten dollars ahead to have a whole movie theater for those kids. They're gonna be thrilled. Well, and you know, oh my God, that would be so much fun. And and if you did that, then they would be able to probably even have some, you know, additional friends that could join. You know, so if you're doing something like that, that's a great opportunity to um, maybe even still charge families what would be normally normal ticket price and, um, you know, cover the cost. So even if they're just the friends of friends. Yeah. And, and, you know, say, you know, companion tickets to go see, I don't even know what's in the theaters right now, but, you know, to go see whatever the movie is that your theater allows you to do. I know my theater is, uh, has a copy of the original Avengers that is one of the movies that you can see. They also have first run movies, but they've kept a copy of the original Avengers. And so, you know, companion tickets to go see Avengers are $7. If you have, if they have a friend who wants to come with them, they can't join you for the whole day. If your licensing numbers don't allow it, but they can join you at the third party location. How fun, fun, fun. So, so we've talked a little bit about the older sibling you know, one of the things that I thought was really interesting as we've been kind of talking about what's going on in programs around the country, um, you know, in the last six months, and, you know, I think we're about to see, you know, it is, we are rapidly approaching the nine month or the, the, the nine months um, uh, <clears throat> since March. And so as we start to look at November and December, be prepared for baby booms. 
And so, <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I've not really been surprised by the quantity of people in my circle who have announced that they are expecting. And I just keep um, kind of laughing going, well, we know how you used your time during quarantine. But as a, as a child care program, this is awesome, right? Be prepared for those quarantine babies that are going to start popping, you know, uh, December, January, February. And um, we have a whole episode coming up on January enrollment. But right now what I want to talk about is that infant toddler room stuff. Carrie, I know you love infants. And like this is like, you know, if you could have three million babies in, in a room, you would. <laughs> But for some programs, this is not necessarily the, the, the money maker. And where other programs, they love babies. They, they make money doing babies all the time. So how does a program get into making money with the infants? People aren't going to like the answer, which is you have to do math. <laughs> you have to know what your overhead costs are for that room and what your staffing costs are for each three or four children depending on your state as to whether it's three or four children that a teacher can take care of. So every three or four children, how much money does that uh, cost you uh, in terms of revenue? But there are programs that are charging $1,500 a month for infant care because the ratios are so low and because there are so few infant care programs around based on the, you know, can commensurate, yeah, commensurate with the number of people who have infants who they need care for because they work full time. And if you're charging 1500, you should be able to make a profit. <laughs> I would hope so. And so right now we're here we are at the end of October and we know, I mean, we could, even if you do simple math, right, we're talking like we should be seeing a baby boom by like, you know, literally the end of middle end of December, the, the middle of January through spring. And so depending on your program and your square footage, so you definitely have to understand the licensing requirements for space, right? Because it's a little different for an infant room. It and, usually, yeah. And do you have space that could be converted to that use? Because if your preschool classroom is underutilized, because it's a room that usually takes 24 kids, and right now it has seven, um, is there a way for you to subdivide that room and make some of it an additional infant room? Absolutely. So I think like, I guess, people yeah. have to think that through. If you've got classrooms that are usually have twice as many kids in them, how can you change that up? And I'm so, going to so, say, I'm going to say, let's take a break here for the mid-roll. Okay. <laughs> so our mid-roll is basically, hey, Halloween's coming up. Um, sorry. Um, so, <laughs> so, <but laughs> so we've got Halloween coming up. Yes. Everybody knows about <laughs> Halloween. But you know what? Not everybody does know about? What? November 3rd, which is cliche day. And I think this is an excellent opportunity to get your staff into something that's just hilarious and have a cliche competition and have your staff try to come up with the most obscure cliche or the most common cliche. I think you could have two or three different categories of cliches and people who come up with the best one in that category, they get a present. Um, because cliches are cliches for a reason, you know? A dream without a deadline is just a dream. That's a cliche, okay? There's a reason. Well, isn't, isn't it a goal without a deadline is just a dream? Maybe. See, I can't even do that one. Um, 
You know, a stitch in time saves nine. Oh, see, now that you're just trying to find all your funny things off of last week's um, <laughs> Facebook post. <laughs> Not really, but, you know, it's what what was in my head. But I think cliche day <laughs> is could be incredibly fun. Or you can even ask your staff to, you know, you can let them dress up as different cliches if they want. Um, so I think I think cliche day needs to have its moment in the sun. I think you're right. And so hopefully if you haven't gone back and listened to some of our other um, episodes, if you're fairly new to our podcast, uh, we actually did an episode all on uh, how to celebrate fun and different days from Talk Like a Pirate Day, which, you know, is in September. Um, we've got episodes coming up uh, where we're going to be talking about winter holidays. We did episode a few weeks ago about fall holidays. Um, so, um, but we like the obscure days. So have some fun with our little mid-roll fun. And so we're going to get back to diversifying your income <laughs> because, <laughs> because that's the stuff I like. Um, because I want to make sure you all are, are a, a successful business. And so we've talked a little bit about uh, diversifying um, before our mid-roll um, with an infant room. So uh, Carrie, if you were going to, like you had a director call you and she like wanted to, to expand her infant program, what would be the first five things you would tell her to do? I know I would tell her to pull out regulations and figure out what are the requirements for that infant room with four kids, nine kids or eight kids or whatever, you know, the different grouping where are sizes. The, where are the plat plateaus? Where are yeah. the... And so that, so then starting to look at square footage space and where are the doors and where are the bathrooms and where is water? Yeah, so sinks words, are because, a huge part. Yeah, so, but how easy, you know, because, so I'm going to use an example. If you've got a sink on one side of the wall, it's pretty easy to put the sink on the other side of the wall. Um, it's more manageable um, than, say, putting a sink on the other side of the room. And so um, well, expanding... But you You've also got the option to do those portable sinks like they have in Costco at every food demo table. You can have a portable sink. They're a pain in the neck and I wouldn't do it for 10 years. I probably wouldn't even do it for a whole year. But if you're just opening an infant, another infant classroom or an infant classroom for eight months until they can get into your toddler classroom because of this baby boom, then do a portable sink if there isn't a sink in there. Which is a great thing to look at from a financial standpoint. But even when you're looking at your rooms, look at where you already have water. Uh, look at the walls and then check with plumbers. Just don't think about putting water on the opposite end of a building. I mean, but but that's a basic thing that some people don't think about. Um, look at your floor plan uh, without knowing who's already in classrooms, I think is a good uh, a second step. What are some other things that you might think about, Carrie? For me, one of the biggest challenges with, you know, a pop-up infant room is that there's a lot of equipment that people think they have to have when they have babies. And I would challenge them to pare that down. In most states, you're required to have a crib. It can be a porta crib, it can be a full crib, and you have to have at least one evacuation crib. But if you're just doing it as a pop-up for, you know, eight months or a year until those kids are old enough to get into your toddler program because there's a baby boom, then I would go with porta cribs. 
I really would. I would do pack and plays and one evacuation crib because they're cheaper than a commercial full size crib that you're going to want in your program. And you can get those on the resale market. You, It's hard to find commercial cribs on the resale market. <laughs> that, that is true. So- but you can find, you know, any weekend you can go on Craigslist and I bet you can find five pack and plays every weekend. So the other thing with that, when you start talking about, you know, the pop-ups, what about staffing? I mean, is there anything specific we should be looking for when trying to staff those programs as far as, uh, like, you know, what what is your best infant interview question? What do you do when someone throws up on you? <laughs> <laughs> um, so to, I ask every infant teacher that and then I ask um, if you have a new child who's come into your classroom and they're crying what are the things that you're going to try to, to calm that child so I want to know that they have a, a list of like four or five things that they're going to try for a new child because a child that's been with you you know what their what their things are but when they come to you you they don't come with instruction manuals. It's really annoying. Um, but, you know, I want, I don't want you to have 500 different types of infant containers. That's what I was talking about before. You don't need to have bouncy seats and boppies and swings and um, those little plastic, I, I don't know what they're called, but they're little plastic things where you can stick a baby tush in them and it helps them sit up when they can't sit up yet. You need blankets. <laughs> you need cribs. You need toys. You don't need 87 different baby containers. Having one swing in a classroom of 10 babies, believe it or not, I had a classroom with three teachers, one swing, 10 babies. Well, you know, my favorite baby container is um, a, a grandma and a rocking chair. Yep. Um, much and, better. Much better and, developmentally. And you did some, you, I remember um, being impressed the first time I saw your infant classroom because you did have uh, such a, a diverse uh, classroom for, of infant teachers as far as their ages and their backgrounds. And that is the one thing that I found, um, what I loved about hiring staff for infant classrooms is that they can be pretty much any background. They can be any age. Um, English definitely didn't need to be the first language if you have some parents who are concerned about, um, you know, kids and and being able to understand their teachers. Um, we won't even get into some of the... The, the, the weird things the, parents say? <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I like that. Maybe that's an episode, weird things parents say. Um, so if we do have that, you guys all have to share because I'm sure y'all have got some, some doozies as well. So, um, so we've talked about um, in this episode specifically about diversifying with infant and toddler rooms. We've talked about diversifying with um, basically that, that day off that a school age kid might have. Um, oh, oh, I got another one. <laughs> I was about to say, Carrie, do you have anything else you want to add do. before we wrap I, up this episode? <laughs> I want to talk about something that just popped into my head, which is nighttime care. Um, you can offer care after 6 p.m. It's not forbidden. Like, it's okay. You can offer care for those nurses and doctors and um, Uber drivers and other people who work a night shift. They need care for their kids too. Because if you're a single mom who's an Uber driver or a single dad who's an Uber driver, are you just going to put the baby in the car with you when you're driving? (laughs) It's probably not going to go over really well. Your ratings are going to come down pretty quickly. Um, So I think... Nighttime care is an 
underutilized type of income diversification. You have to pay rent on that building for 24 hours a day. Why are we only using it for 12? So, so um, it's funny that you should say that because one of the things that I used to always really talk to people about is other ways to use that building after you were closed. But I love the idea of thinking about, um, again, this is knowing your community. Uh, what are the needs of the shift workers um, in your community? Um, if you are in a community that has a lot of healthcare workers, you might have people who work seven to three, three to 11, 11 to seven. You might have a lot of 12 hour shift folks. Um, what are you doing um, for those people? Um, if you are in a manufacturing community, again, this might be a scenario where you've got people working multiple shifts. Also, weekends. Again, if you work in retail, you're not working Monday through Friday. Yeah, and if you work 10 to 8, where do you, you know, what do you use? And there, there's a definite need there. Um, so, um, talk to the parents, talk to the community. Um, you know, most childcare centers kind of follow the standard six to six because, well, that's what everybody does. Um, don't be like everybody. Yeah. Go talk to your chamber of commerce. Your chamber of commerce is going to be able, you know, a good chamber of commerce. I shouldn't say every chamber of commerce, but a good chamber of commerce is going to, or um, community development corporation is going to have a little bit of a um, heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of insight into that. Um, you don't have to pay for this market research yourself. You can talk to people. <laughs> and what's really great is, is talking to people about um, what's happening in the communities next to you. So if you're from a, um, a smaller town, that's got three or four other smaller towns, um, you know, paying attention to um, lo local business print publications, um, in Texas, we have the Community Impact that's in most communities right now across the state. They do an awesome job letting you know what major manufacturing and warehouse businesses are coming in. So again, understanding UPS, FedEx, Amazon, Amazon, more Amazon. Um, <laughs> that's just us. That's just us. That's not everybody. Okay, that is a lot of Central <laughs> Texas, a lot of North Texas. Um, well, you know, and it happens other North places Dakota. too. It's yeah. just, yeah. <laughs> but but it's not just the the childcare centers in that community. It's the ones in the in the neighboring communities that need to be aware of what's going on. So. Um, so today we've kind of given you three additional ways to diversify the income for your business. Um, and again, if you're still looking to what to do with your building after hours, um, I am a huge supporter about talking and partnering with everything from dance studios to music studios uh, to theater groups, people who need evening and weekend space to practice, um, who right now their facilities might be way out of their budget. Um, you're using the space during the day, let them use it in the evening and you might find you've got a great symbiotic relationship and um, a wonderful opportunity for both of you to thrive um, and to, um, again, use your resources wisely, make some money because that's what we're here for. So um, Carrie, anything to leave us with? If you aren't using the food program, look at using the food program. <laughs> <laughs> It's my only and I'm other. sure that that's a podcast. Probably. But <laughs> I'm just saying, um, you know, it's an easy way to diversify. Um, but I think all of these, the whole point of this is the more places where even if it's just five or ten dollars coming in a, a month, those add up. You know, if you're getting ten dollars from ten people 
a month, then that's a thousand dollars. No, that's a hundred dollars. It's a thousand dollars over the year, which I can use that thousand dollars over the course of the year to repaint my entire building or to pay for, you know, a, an event or to buy a piece of equipment. Even those little things make a big difference. Absolutely. So thank you so much for joining us today on Colorful Clipboard and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Colorful Clipboards. Connect with us on social media at Colorful Clipboard or send us an email to hello at Colorful Clipboards. Send us your voicemail with your own questions and stories. If you want to keep learning with us, visit Texas Director, where we continue to have seminars, licensing programs, and more. This show has been made by me, Carrie Casey, and Kate Young with assistance from Hallie Casey and Marie Young. If you learned something today, share the show.